District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Hi, everyone. Happy Monday. I am back from traveling, vacation, and the like, and I have a special Virginia election edition for you all today. Whether or not you live here in Virginia or not isn't relevant, but I did this last year when it was the presidential election contest between now President Biden and then former President Trump, and it was actually quite well received, so I figured I would do a Virginia version of this to enlighten my fellow Virginians about who they're potentially electing, who potentially could take over or retake the governor's mansion, and what sportsmen and women should be aware of, and gun owners too, I should argue, in their choices between these two candidates, Glenn Youngkin, who is an upstart candidate, businessman, and former governor Terry McAuliffe, who is seeking a second yet non-consecutive term in the governor's mansion and what is really at stake. At the end, after I offer my analysis between the two and cover some issues, I will obviously be transparent about who I voted for and why I thought this individual and the ticket that they are in charge of is the more preferable choice. Obviously, I have other reasons beyond conservation and gun issues for supporting this individual, but I'm going to be fair talk about both candidates and where they've stood and some of their past records, if their record is available, and then I'll offer my conclusion. And you don't have to agree with my assessment. You may have a very different viewpoint of the best person to lead Virginia going forward, but I think there's an appetite for change. I think Virginians of all stripes, those who are native-born and those who are transplants like me, who've lived here long enough where I don't feel like a transplant anymore. I voted in so many elections since moving here in 2012. I think there is an appetite for change across all issues, but as it relates to the environment, conservation, and firearms, I think the choice is really clear. And I made my choice resoundly loud and clear yesterday, early in-person voting at the local satellite voting station near my house. So that was really cool. That was offered. I voted and I was very proud of my choice. But before I reveal my choice, here is the compare and contrast episode between Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe. Let me know what you think. Okay, in terms of what I'm going to break down first, should I start with firearms? Yes, I think I will start with firearms. And then we'll move into general sportsman's issues. And then I think I'll conclude with energy and the environment. We will have a succinct analysis between the two on these three issues. So with firearms, if you guys remember in late 2015, what really sealed the deal for me, I mean, I was always very skeptical of McAuliffe when he was governor. He is very anti-gun in his pronouncements. Yet he bought a gun in 2013, according to one report, and oddly enough, he was put in a very weird position when the General Assembly was still in Republican control to reverse a decision by his attorney general, Mark Herring, who is running for re-election again for a third term across two administrations. Interestingly enough, when, if you guys remember, Mark Herring, Attorney General Herring, completely revoked and repealed our reciprocity, concealed carry reciprocity agreements with 25 states. Came out of nowhere. He said that our rules were too lenient. I wrote an op-ed actually about this, and I preempted the op-ed by saying that I was going to skewer the attorney general, and that drew the ire of his office. I've actually never publicly talked about that, but I like to think that I had a little, little part (laughs) 
In drawing awareness to this and just the ridiculous nature with which the attorney general sweepingly just removed reciprocity agreements between our state and 25 other states that we shared. And we've had a longstanding tradition for concealed carry. I've been a concealed carry permit holder in this state for going on six, seven years. I got it when I could because I worried that if this state were to change political hands, I needed it and I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So that was something that stuck out to me. And McAuliffe, this is one thing he was put in a awkward position to have to broker a deal with the Republican-controlled General Assembly to restore that, and they added three more states. And following that time, I think Pennsylvania's Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, revoked our agreement with them, citing that we're too lenient. So we don't have all those 28 agreements. I think I think we have 26, 27. But in his campaign platform, I'm looking through McAuliffe's positions. He has proposed, according to his campaign website under the banner, gun violence prevention. He states, uh, according to bullets, because I think this is the easiest thing to understand, and you can read the synopsis of what his full plan is. And he says proudly that he vetoed 15 radical Republican bills that would have further weakened Virginia's gun laws. He proudly touts that he was the first Southern governor to be elected after running with an F rating from the NRA. What he specifically wants to do if he gets a second term, this is from his website, he wants to ban the sale of so-called assault weapons and get high-capacity magazines and so-called ghost guns off our streets. That's really loaded. No pun intended. What an assault weapon is, is not defined, obviously. I think he wants to lump in AR-15s into that description. He wants to strengthen Virginia's new background check law to include all firearm transfers. So in the past one or two sessions, they have passed a few gun control laws. They did not succeed in passing the assault weapons ban, but he wants to carry out what Democrats had gained on and did passing several pieces of gun control legislation, just continue to go on that path if Democrats are to succeed or if his ticket is to succeed on November 2nd. He wants to disarm hate by preventing people who have committed hate crimes from owning firearms. I think there's no disagreement with that. He wants to prohibit open carry of firearms in certain public places and give localities the flexibility to ban open carry more broadly when there are credible public safety threats. So if you guys don't know, the General Assembly, when it went into Democrat control in 2020, they revoked our state preemption laws, which make it so that state law supersedes localities when it comes to permit laws. So people who have concealed carry permits used to be able to carry in public buildings. So government buildings, concealed carry was acceptable. Nothing ever happened from a law-abiding person. You had, in wake of that tragic Virginia Beach suiting, the criminal perpetrator in that event was not a law-abiding citizen. He brought a weapon into that governmental office and killed people. They wanted to, therefore, tie in that incident, that tragic incident, and punish law-abiding concealed carry holders. So the state preemption laws and in most of the liberal or the most of the kind of uh, not-so-gun-friendly places used to allow law-abiding concealed carry permit holders in Virginia to carry peaceably in offices, but that is not allowed in most places anymore. So I think he wants to undercut and prohibit open carry, which is still legal in Virginia right now. But if he were to get a second term, he would certainly create obstacles for it and eliminate it fully. Um, But state preemption laws are no longer in effect. Maybe Glenn Youngkin will 
revoke that, or maybe they will put an executive order to restore that law. We'll have to see what that is. And then McAuliffe also has said that he wants to create an office of gun violence prevention to identify and coordinate solutions to gun violence across state agencies. So when you hear that, to me, it sounds like a bunch of fluff and not a serious gesture because police are really hamstrung in Virginia. And with some of the policies of Northam, who is McAuliffe's successor and former running mate, lieutenant governor, under the parole board scandal, they've been letting a lot of har- a lot of hardened criminals from jail who do not deserve to be out in public, who do not deserve to be free and out of prison. And this includes a lot of people with previous gun felonies, too. So to me, it seems unserious when you're releasing people with gun offenses to their record and pushing gun control. And then you want to create an office of gun violence prevention. To me, that seems unserious. And he also wants a requirement that state police be present at every gun show to run voluntary background checks on private sales. Interesting story that Stephen Gutowski reload uncovered on October 12th, McAuliffe in 2019. Gun shows, worst things we have, tried to create hidden legal liability for private gun sellers. During a little notice symposium, Terry McAuliffe slammed gun shows and revealed he had hoped a 2016 compromise bill would put private gun sellers at legal risk. He had called the Virginia gun shows the worst thing we have during a 2019 lecture at George Mason University reviewed by The Reload. He decided the inability of the state to pass a law requiring all gun sales to require a background check and claim private sellers advertise lack of checks on big signs at the shows. The worst thing we have, folks, are these gun shows, McCall told the audience at the school's Haynes Lecture Series on March 18, 2019. Has anyone ever been to a gun show? They're unbelievable, aren't they? I'm talking thousands of people, hundreds of tables, hundreds as far as the eye can see with any kind of gun you want to buy. With big signs, we don't do background checks. So you can go any one of these in Virginia and buy any gun you want, folks. Today, you could do this. He went on to say that he had an ulterior goal when negotiating a 2016 deal with with Virginia Republicans to expand recognition of -of out-of-state gun carry permits while stationing state police at gun shows to allow anyone to conduct a background check during a sale. In addition to helping private sellers do voluntary checks, he had hoped the option would create a hidden legal liability for those who decided not to take advantage of the offering. We'll move over to Glenn Youngkin's positions on firearms because I think we know very well where Terry McAuliffe stands. I think if you're a gun owner... A CHP holder here, and we have a lot of people here in Virginia who have these concealed carry permits. According to the USCCA, Virginia currently has about 638,000 permits in a population that is about 8.6 million. There are 48 states honored, and there are 35 reciprocating states. Now, that's great. I did not know we had 35 reciprocating states. Our permits, if you guys don't know, are valid for five years. I just renewed mine two years ago. Very glad I did that. We are a shall issue state. Of course, we have open carry, concealed carry, and you can learn more about that there in terms of that. But now to Glenn Youngkin's positions. There has been a lot of, I wouldn't say there has been a lot of outrage over this, and I think I've seen this across different issues for the Youngkin campaign, and they're trying to run, and this is no excuse, of course, but they're trying to run a very localized kind of kitchen tables-based campaign. That doesn't mean guns are not important, firearms are not important. I just think that uh, Youngkin has a general rule from what I've seen to not fill out a lot of surveys with several exceptions. 
Noticeable and kind of something that has drawn the ire of a few gun activists is Youngkin's failure to fill out surveys from the Virginia Citizens Defense League and the NRA. That doesn't mean he doesn't support the Second Amendment. He has said that he would oppose assault weapons bans and things of that sort. And then with the revelation of the Accountability Virginia PAC trying to attack Youngkin from the right, which is a lefty organization that has no gun owner interest in mind. They were trying to paint him as insufficiently pro-gun. And I think that has kind of forced Yunkin to make his positions on Second Amendment more declarative. But given what we know with McAuliffe and just the accountability Virginia PAC trying to depress the gun vote, this prompted the VCDL to make a comment that while they were displeased with Yunkin not filling out the survey. And, and you guys should know that the rest of the Republican ticket, uh, Winsome Sears, who is a lieutenant governor nominee, and then Jason Miars have both filled out and received high marks from both the NRA and the Citizens Defense League surveys. So we have reassurance that even though Yunkin didn't fill it out, I'm assuming he and his running mates are on the same wavelength for Second Amendment issues. I don't think they would run with him if that wasn't the case. Here's what the VCDL said in response to Dominion Energy giving money to the shadowy group. And I talked about this a few episodes ago, but the VCDL, like I said, even though that they did not give any response for him, uh, his spokesperson, Macaulay Porter, said in response to this, and this is quoted from The Reload, and I received an email from this too. They sent this out to people on their press list. The McAuliffe-Bloomberg political machine can try to manipulate and deceive voters, but Virginians aren't falling for McAuliffe's lies. Constitutional conservatives and people who care about protecting our Second Amendment rights are voting for Yunkin today because they know he supports the right to keep and bear arms. And VCDL... As a response to Dominion, says that they wanted to protest Dominion Energy recently and voiced their displeasure at their apparent attempt to dissuade gun owners from voting for the Republican gubernatorial candidate Youngkin. In a press release, again, also listed on the reload, they said that let's make sure Dominion Energy knows that gun owners in Virginia do not appreciate the company interfering with our right to self-defense they said in a press release, let's call them, email them, and protest their office. And Stephen had written, the group acknowledged it hasn't endorsed Yunkin because he has not filled out its survey. But unlike Accountability Virginia PAC, the group pointed out that McAuliffe is much further away from the interests of gun rights advocates than Yunkin. The VCDL PAC cannot endorse Yunkin because Yunkin has not returned the survey, the group said. So we are not 100% sure what he will do with the various kinds of gun legislation that might arrive on his desk as governor. That said, we do know exactly what Terry McAuliffe will do because he has both told us what he will do and has a record from his previous four years as governor. Case closed. So I think gun owners know who is best in their interests and who is not best in their interests. So we will move over to the sportsman column now. But that's kind of a snapshot into where the two lie on gun issues. What you need to know, you have McAuliffe's record that is very evident and his declarative statements now and what he would do if he were to be governor again and if he were to have a Democrat-held General Assembly that is largely anti-gun, what they would do, they would turn Virginia from a fairly gun-friendly state to a very hostile gun state and erode rights further. The sportsman's issue, so hunting. I don't remember Terry McAuliffe campaigning 
as a sportsman. I don't know if he's ever hunted. I have tried to look on Google to see if there's anything of him pointing to him hunting at all or fishing. I can't find anything right now. If you find something and want to correct the record and want me to correct the record, I will certainly do that. The only thing I can recall, one of the few things he did, certainly he was in support of the Chesapeake Bay restoration. It's a pretty bipartisan issue. If you're not for Chesapeake Bay restoration, it's kind of a given in Virginia that you are. But one thing I do remember that was pretty good that he signed into law, but this is because he had a Republican controlled general assembly. So he was forced to sign this into law because this is broadly bipartisan. And this was March 6, 2014 from the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation that Sunday hunting restrictions are lifted in Virginia. And Governor Terry McAuliffe has signed Sunday hunting into law, allowing Virginia to join 40 other states that allow hunting on privately owned lands on Sundays, sponsored by Delegate Todd Gilbert and co-sponsored by many members of the Virginia Sportsman's Caucus. HB 1237 passed the Senate on February 18th after clearing the House of Delegates on January 30th. Identical bill was sponsored by Senator Phil Puckett, also reached the governor's desk. And it said, with written permission of the landowner, Sunday hunting will not be permitted on private lands throughout Virginia. Waterfall hunting on public lands will likewise be permitted. Hunting within 200 yards of a place of worship and hunting deer and bear with dogs on Sunday will remain prohibited. So that's one thing I remember that he did that was good, again, but it was bipartisan and it was Republican. But will he stand for hunting rights in the future? Will he do anything to undermine our right to hunt and fish, which is enshrined in our state constitution? Will he support banning coyote hunting contests, predator hunting things of that sort going forward. Will he be influenced by the Humane Society? That remains to be seen, but I will give deference to him and say and concede that he did one good thing here in in, uh, deregulating restrictions for Sunday hunting. I haven't seen any Sportsman for McAuliffe coalition pages at all so far, but when it comes to Glenn Youngkin, you actually do find a page under his coalitions, and they write on their page, Virginia is a sportsman's paradise from fishing, crabbing, and clamming to hunting waterfall, upland game, and big game. Virginia sportsmen love the outdoors. Glenn is a hunter and a sportsman and will be a governor who protects your rights to fish, hunt, and enjoy the beautiful public lands of our commonwealth. Glenn knows that sportsmen are the backbone of our conservation efforts and that we must pass on the opportunities we enjoy to our kids and grandkids. That is a bold wonderful statement. I don't care where you fall politically. The fact that you have politicians writing that hunters and anglers, sportsmen and women are the backbone of conservation efforts. That is something to celebrate. And that makes my heart sing really loudly. I'm very proud of that language being inserted. So we have a declarative statement. I wanted to sit down with Youngkin to talk about these issues, but I haven't had the chance because my schedule has been hectic. So has the campaigns, obviously, and certainly in the last remaining weeks, but I'm hoping if he wins and he becomes governor-elect, we can sit down more about these issues. And I made a statement in a previous episode saying that if Youngkin does win, he needs to hire Cyrus Baird, who has appeared on the podcast and who's now with Delta Waterfall in some top position, advisory role, 
but uh, he has to do that. I'm reiterating that again. Also, Glenn Youngkin was at the Green Top Expo that happened earlier this month. I did not see McAuliffe there. That's one of the biggest confabs of hunters and sportsmen. That was reassuring to see. Also, Glenn Youngkin had posted a picture. Oh, I have found a picture. Okay, some proof. He had harvested a turkey, and this is from National Hunting and Fishing Day. Growing up in Virginia, being outdoors was always a great way to spend quality time with friends and family. It's a blessing to live in a state that has abundant opportunities to hunt, fish, and enjoy the outdoors. He doesn't have a license to hunt in Virginia. This was Team Terry McAuliffe person. This is a McAuliffe acolyte who said that. And the Richmond Times Dispatches, Jeff Shapiro had written an article that was circulated in the Herald Courier that claims that Youngkin does not currently possess a Virginia hunting license. And he had asked multiple questions about it relating to this Tom. And he has said in his article that according to the V Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources, he does not have a hunting license, but could if he actually does without a license on land he owns. And then he claims that appearances appear deceiving. And they're saying that if a Republican like Youngkin does this, it's very shopped and staged and not really authentic. And this is why I had to interview Youngkin to probably dispel any of these characterizations. And maybe we'll get a sit down if he is to be elected governor. But of course, I think... And then uh, Shapiro claims McAuliffe, by the way, he has a hunting license and has had permits to hunt turkey and bear, knows all about theatrics, though critics might call it a buffoonery, how he wrestled an eight-foot alligator. Yes, I have criticized Democrats who don't update their licenses either, and maybe I'll extend a little grace with respect to that, but at least Youngkin has a sportsman's platform and a sportsman's coalition. I don't see the same for Terry McAuliffe. So that remains to be seen who would be better, but I think it's clear that Youngkin at least should be given a chance by Virginia sportsmen. And yes, even though Terry McAuliffe did sign a few pro-sportsmen bills into law, he was backed up by a Republican legislature that is largely in support of hunting legislation. Today's Democrats in Virginia, unfortunately, with several exceptions, are not really in support of hunting. Yes, it was unanimous that they voted for the elk tag. That's different. But I think when it comes to general hunting attitudes, you're not going to find many of the urban-dwelling Democrats in support of most measures of hunting. Let's talk about energy to finish off this compare and contrast between Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin. Now, Terry McAuliffe has pledged if he were to be elected again, he would continue in the footsteps of his successor, Governor Ralph Northam, in pursuing net zero energy goals with the Virginia Clean Economy Act. And I've talked about this bill at length, and it's not going to be going away. I'm really surprised there was not more discussion about it. The media coverage only really started to trickle in after it was passed, and the Richmond Times dispatched it a great, great expose. And it was revealed that the VCEA would add about $800 per year by 2030 to meet the demands of going carbon-free and moving our energy grid from largely natural gas, which is 60% of electricity and nuclear, to move to solar and wind. And Terry McAuliffe has said he wants to achieve net zero goals by 2035, although the legislation calls for going 
carbon-free by 2045 and 2050. I think 2050 is the more exact number, but he wants to expedite the VCEA's goals going forward. He has said in bullet points that he wants to accelerate Virginia's path to 100% clean energy by 2035 and ensure a just transition that protects communities that have been impacted the most. What that means remains to be seen. Restructure Virginia's regulatory system to protect consumers and incentivize the transition to 100% clean energy. Reduce energy consumption by investing dramatically in energy efficiency that's really opaque and vague. He wants to expand clean energy jobs and build the workforce needed to supply the clean economy with highly qualified skilled workers. And he wants to equitably improve access to clean public transportation, electric vehicles, and EV charging infrastructure. If you guys remember Green Tech, one of his great homework deals, that really wasn't a project to tout. And that's going to come back to haunt him if he's to be governor again. You know that he wants to pursue this. He wants to not really keep natural gas in place, although he used to be in support of pipelines. He had previously supported the Mountain Valley Pipeline. He's previously supported the Atlantic Pipeline, now has since, I guess, abandoned those positions or remained mom on those positions. Certainly, he's influenced by clean energy advocates and solar and wind, and he wants to continue, like I said, to act on the VCEA, which is a very drastic piece of legislation that was largely passed on partisan lines. Only one Republican from the state Senate voted for it, Jill Vogel. But most Republicans, even those who support an all-of-the-above approach on clean energy, were very skeptical except for Vogel. And so he wants to do this, and at what cost? About $800 added to your energy bill through Dominion. And how can we trust Dominion now that they were trying to funnel money to a shadowy group to depress the gun vote? That's going to be very interesting, but that's where he stands on that. Let's compare it to Glenn Youngkin, who in a debate, he says he's for an all of the above energy portfolio. He doesn't think you should decarbonize. He supports natural gas, still oil and gas as well in Virginia. He has opposed the Virginia Clean Economy Act and has said that he would roll that back. And I think in response to Dominion putting in that... $200,000 amount into that pack to attack him indirectly, I suspect he wants to enact some reforms to the utility company if he were to be elected. And Dominion Energy CEO, and all of a sudden they're now in support of the VCEA, because they think it's politically expedient to support it, although it's going to come at a higher cost for consumers. And this was from a utility analysis. So if you want to know where I got the 800 figure, it's also in the show notes. Youngkin's campaign denounced Dominion for being quote-unquote special interests and said that McAuliffe must answer why he asked Dominion for a quarter million dollars to spend against Glenn Youngkin instead of asking Dominion why they've increased energy prices on Virginians at an alarming rate as the cost of living continues to skyrocket. Terry McAuliffe doesn't stand with Virginians. He stands with special interests who bankroll false attacks against Glenn. So we could expect if Youngkin were to be elected, he probably would work with the legislature to probably curb the influence of Dominion, especially in wake of this. And there's been longstanding criticism of Dominion, rightfully so, especially as they raise energy costs. So something will certainly be addressed. So you will see that from him, of course, Glenn Youngkin at the debate also warned 
that he wouldn't have signed the VCEA if he were governor, but did not outline a competing climate change plan. And this is from E&E News, except to say that the state should embrace all energy sources. Like I said, I alluded to him being an all of the above kind of guy. We can use wind and solar, but we need to preserve our clean natural gas. And we can, in fact, have a reliable energy grid, he said. And he also added, we've seen what happens in California when, in fact, you don't have a reliable energy grid. So if you like what you just heard from my opponent, get ready for blackouts and brownouts and an unreliable energy grid. And like I said, he hasn't really focused on energy, but he has come out against the VCEA. And he probably would like to keep Virginia being reliable on natural gas and nuclear and not have us follow the lead of California. And in a tweet, Glenn Youngkin said he would address climate change as governor. But when it comes to energy, I think you can support certainly all of the above. I'm skeptical of certain technologies that are propped up by government subsidies, of course. And I have laid out somewhat on the podcast kind of my frustration with the shortcomings of solar and wind, especially when it comes to land use, reliability, cost, things of that sort. And I think there are other alternatives like nuclear and geothermal, which should be given a second look and explored more and talked about more. And even natural gas. We had molecules of freedom when we became energy independent. And fracking has really ushered in an energy revolution. And I think nuclear and geothermal can, especially if the market dictates that to be the case. But there really isn't a demand for solar and wind here in Virginia. I haven't seen it reflected in the EIA numbers. And maybe one day that'll happen. But right now, we are increasingly reliant on natural gas. And this came out on October 20th. I think that was the last time this was updated. If you want to know in terms of electricity, what where electricity largely derives from here in Virginia, I'm going to read for you this. We have the third largest reserves in coal bed methane proved reserves. And we have two coal bed methane fields that are ranked among the top 100 natural gas fields in the United States. Very cool. The ports in Virginia's Norfolk Customs District processed about 35% of coal exports in 2019, making it the largest U.S. coal export center. And coal actually had a surprising comeback under COVID, interestingly enough. In 2019, here in terms of electricity net generation, I've been teasing these numbers. This is from the EIA. In 2019, natural gas fueled 60% of Virginia's electricity net generation. Nuclear provided almost 30%. Renewable resources, primarily biomass, supplied more than 6%. And coal fueled almost 4%. So in 2018, coal was actually responsible for 10%, but it went down a lot. That's crazy. So as you can see, solar and wind don't even account for 10% of net generation relating to electricity. So will the government propping it up actually usher it in? Or if we've seen, like what we've seen federally, will it not? That remains to be seen. But I could be fine with an all of the above approach and letting the market dictate. So to me, I think Yunkin is right on the money. Given these three metrics on gun ownership, the Second Amendment, sportsmen's issues, and sound energy policies, I was very comfortable voting for Glenn Yunkin, Winsome Sears, and Jason Miara's. That ticket on Sunday when I went to go early vote. And there were other factors that contributed to it, not just 
their positions on the environment and conservation and gun rights, cumulatively speaking. But as a freelancer, self-employed person, I just did not see anything from McAuliffe to give me any confidence. He didn't inspire confidence in me last time. I did not vote for him in 2013. I voted for Ken Cuccinelli. It was pretty clear who to support this go around. I think people knew my sentiments. I've been very critical of McAuliffe, and I wanted to be fair and highlight both of their positions on different things, even if I vehemently disagree with McAuliffe, but I had to be fair and give him deference on a few things. But I think Virginia will be on a better path with Yunkin and a Yunkin administration. I'm very confident saying that. I think we see momentum building for him, but it seems like enthusiasm is on Yunkin's side. I, as a gun owner, hunter, and sportswoman, can be rest assured that I know that my rights will not be infringed upon, and I'll make sure that they don't do anything to erode gun rights, because sometimes Republicans do fall into the trap of red flag laws and things of that sort. So we have an opportunity to hold Yunkin, if he were to be elected, accountable on gun legislation and other things. I don't see that with Terry McAuliffe, especially if he's backed with a Democrat General Assembly. So that is where I fall on the 2021 election. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds, all of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. I get a lot of requests and my schedule is also quite busy. So you'll see guests come from me. And I'm, but like I said, I'm always open to different guests coming on the show. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for tomorrow's episode.